Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is the Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on the Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Hash on a Wednesday. I'm Jen Sinassi. We got Zach Seward, Will Foxley, and my fellow Canadian, Christy Harkin, here today. We're bringing you the latest and greatest in crypto news. Zach, you got our first story. Binance is up to something. They're always up to something, those Binance <laughs> people. Binanceians, you sometimes see them described as. But anyway, Binance, according to this story by Ian Allison, is trying to organize a consortium that's going to bolster the image of crypto. This is according to an unnamed source speaking to Ian Allison of Coindesk. Now, I think the scoffometer might be a little bit high to many a crypto skeptic on this one. I think obviously the image of crypto needs a little bit of rehabilitation in the wake of some major implosions. Binance is still standing. So, according to the story, they're going to take it upon themselves to advance that narrative that crypto isn't just a hotbed of scams. Now, for crypto skeptics, they might be doubting the messenger on this one because Binance for a long time has, you know, been sort of dodging regulatory mandates in different places, hopping from jurisdiction to one jurisdiction to the next. So anyway, like, are all accusations against Binance fair? Absolutely not. Are some of them fair? Yes, some of them are fair. So I think people who see this as being... Uh, kind of silly, have a little bit of ground to stand on, but is an interesting concept and is something that we've seen around lobbying for the positive aspects of the crypto economy, as opposed to those dodgy aspects that we've seen so much of of late. So anyway, that's what this story is. That was a bit of a long prelude to our discussion, but I'm going to toss it straight to uh, Will for his thoughts on finance reportedly trying to make this organization. There'll be no simping from either yourself or me today on Binance, no, so that's good. No, sir. Let's let's. <laughs> one thing I want to bring up. Good to see Ian Allison back on the byline. Love seeing that. Nice little scoop from Ian. Uh, second thing I want to bring up is: Didn't Binance work on some sort of consortium in terms of like funding for the ecosystem as well? I think they raised like fifty million dollars, and they had some larger cap they're trying to work towards. It was a pretty large figure. I don't remember off the top of my head, but that was like in the wake of FTX's collapse. They were trying to raise funds from different partners in the ecosystem to bail out really strong startups that just needed cash. Zach, I saw your hand go back up on that one, so I'll throw it up to you. I think it was the what's the difference the between the two things? 
I think it was the Binance billion dollar uh, bailout fund, I believe. So it does ultimately get the same message across, right? Hey, we're upstanding citizens. We're a big player in the crypto economy. We want to be a backstop for projects who are in bad shape. And also, by the way, we want to make this sort of decentralized consortium that can advance the cause of crypto to both users, skeptics, regulators, the world over. But anyway, I don't know what the difference is. One is attached to money, probably has different aims, different terms and conditions. And the other, I guess, is more of a, more of a messaging play. But I don't know. Back to you, Will. Yeah, I mean, it probably is just a messaging play. And hopefully that industry fund actually gets stood up because there is a lot of strong teams out there that just need help with their treasury management. There's some interesting DeFi protocols, for example, that over this bull market, we're allocating really heavily into their native token or other teams' native tokens. And then during a bear market, you take a wash on that because everything trends down 90%. And so I think a lot of teams are needing cash if they're going to stay healthy. And something like this, this brand management front from Binance and getting more people involved in a consortium like this, it can do a lot of good for crypto. Um, We've seen a few teams over the years try to push forward some sort of regulatory scheme, which seems very similar. So that mentioned in this article is Gemini. They tried to push forward something like this in 2019. Uh, Masari has also tried to brand something like this. They're doing a lot of that stuff on the DeFi front. If Binance, with all its money and all its heavy weight, is able to push forward on this, I think that is a good thing for the industry. That being said, a lot of people don't like Binance in the industry. And I'm wondering if people are going to want to actively partner with them. So that's always the, the tough part about being on top, right? Not everyone wants to work with you. Jen, I'll throw it over to you. Yeah, when I read this, I kind of went to where Zach went. I was like, for so long, Binance was public enemy number one when it came to regulators. And now they're, they're forming this group to be able to influence regulation. And I just wonder how that's going to go. You know, we talk about Binance forming groups to, you know, backstop the industry, influence regulation. FTX was kind of trying to do the same thing. They weren't necessarily trying to get other industry players in, but they were trying to do the same thing. And we saw how that turned out. I wonder how receptive regulators are going to be to something like this, given the macroeconomic state we're in. I'm just curious. And then we see Binance in these like really public spats with other exchanges. It's like on one side, they say they're trying to play nice and get everyone together. And on the other side, we have these really kind of public and seemingly immature spats happening. What do you think, Christy? Well, the first thing that came to my mind in this when I read this article was uh, the Bitcoin Mining Council that was formed when Bitcoin mining and all the evils associated with it were the story. That's what was the great big evil monster in crypto at that particular point in time before all the other evil monsters came and, and reared their ugly heads. And so what was the response? We had the Bitcoin Mining Council. And who was it spearheaded by? Michael Saylor and Elon Musk. They were ones to, like Binance, raise a few eyebrows and people go, oh man, who's really going to get on board with that lot? I mean, Bitcoiners certainly will with Michael Saylor, but you know, Elon Musk has kind of been a bit of a, a shrug the last little while in, in crypto in some circles. So in terms of credibility, I think that we're looking at a very similar situation. However, the Bitcoin Mining Council has actually managed to do some good and has been able to coalesce some data and work with all these companies that have been on the outs with regulators. You know, they are beginning to actually get some work done. So who knows? I'm going to be the optimistic one in the bench here and say that maybe, maybe this consortium is going to be be useful. Don't forget also that Binance is not going to be in charge of the group. It's going to be decentralized, they say, as decentralized as it can be. 
Binance may be spearheading it, but they are not going to be leading it once the consortium is actually uh, gathered. Jen? Am I the only one when you read that this was going to be a decentralized consortium imagined all of these players in some Discord channel trying to like organize themselves? How is it going to be decentralized? Oh, no, they're going to be on I some island to be my ties <laughs> talking it over. It's going to be another uh, Satoshi roundtable, but you know, with, with this game. Before we toss it back to you, Christy, for the next story, I just want to shout out good knowledge on the Bitcoin Mining mm. Council. It has been a while. Wow, good callback. Anyway, back to you. Yeah, so a little more Binance, but not quite in the next story here. Two weeks ago, we found out that Custodia Bank, which was founded by Caitlin Long, a chartered bank in Wyoming, found out that the U.S. Federal Reserve Board has denied its application for membership, which would have formalized an association with the U.S. Central Bank, and they would be able to get themselves up and running, having ticked all the necessary boxes to really do this. We've been getting a lot of stories lately about crypto companies like Binance, for example, running afoul of certain uh, regulatory aspects. For example, Binance customers can't make U.S. dollar bank transfers and withdrawals right now. And so there's, there are all these suspensions. There's Juno having issues uh, and there's a lawsuit against Signature Bank. So we're having a few banking crises in, uh, scattered throughout the industry. But what George Kaloudis, our, our research analyst and columnist right now for Coindesk, a uh, great writer, has come up with this morning, is he is sounding an alarm about Custodia Bank being denied its application for membership. And why are they being denied? Well, that's the thing. We don't really have a good reasonable reason for it. They are planning to be a fully reserved bank. Every bit of crypto that they plan to touch, to have custody of, will be in reserve, like there will be reserves for it. So they are actually mitigating the biggest pain point that the banking system has when it comes to crypto banks. So having full reserves really does make a difference and it does protect customers' bank deposits as opposed to, say, you know, fractional reserves, which is what the banking system usually has. There isn't the money in the bank that you think there is. Whereas in this case, there actually will be all, all the full reserves. So the fact this has been denied it doesn't make a lot of sense and should make the crypto industry kind of open their eyes and go, what's going on here? More than, say, the, the other uh, issues that have come up. So who would like to kick in first on this one? Uh, Will, why not? I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll always talk about banking. You know me. Uh, this is an interesting story yeah. for a few reasons. One, uh, Caitlin Long, a longtime industry proponent. And also, she knows her stuff, right? She's been involved in finance for quite a while. She's sort of like the banking OG within the crypto space. So her project, a lot of people thought this was going to happen. A lot of people thought this could be like the first sort of crypto charter bank with the Federal Reserve, thought that was going to like pass along. And then it didn't happen. And people are looking for answers why, uh, mainly not because of her project, but because of the implications for the larger industry, right? If crypto is not able to evolve and have access, deeper access into the federal banking system, well, that could really stave off funds from the rest of the industry. Uh, we have a nice quote or nice tweet from Nick Carter uh, talking about this very instance. He tweeted this yesterday. Unfortunately, I don't have an image right now for it, but basically saying that there's a operation choking off different levels of the banking industry from crypto uh, and that this is like a purposeful move by the Biden administration and by these different regulators to keep funds out of crypto. 
they're, they're moving on the banking level and staving off anyone from being able to enter that way. And if you start, uh, if you stop allowing liquidity, uh, liquidity to move into the banking system or from the banking system into crypto, then you have a problem, right? Like we can't move these stable coins back and forth. We can't liquidate our tokens back and forth. Things like Kraken, things like USDC, these things won't really be able to exist in a meaningful way. So I think that's like the larger perspective here that I really need to pay attention to. And it is worrisome at the very least. So a nice column from George. Zach, I'll throw it up to you. It makes sense that we're seeing this, right? I mean, you had a joint statement from the Fed, the OCC, and I believe the FDIC to start off the year, January 3rd, 2023, saying, hey, watch out for this crypto stuff, right? So you're seeing sort of, I think, the ramifications of that, both with banks uh, limiting their access to the sector because they're afraid of regulatory blowback and actions potentially being taken to pump the brakes on some of these applications that further enmesh the crypto economy with the real world economy. To date, it's sort of been siloed. There's sort of two different worlds, right? There's been no contagion no measurable contagion has spilled over from the crypto world into the quote-unquote real economy. And if you're a U.S. regulator, you see that as a good thing. And you're out here making joint statements, warning banking participants to potentially stay away from a lot of these crypto-related businesses. So it is, it's striking to see. I don't know what the outcome is. I don't know if there's some nefarious plot at hand. But it's certainly interesting to bring this up. When you're talking about Caitlin Long, you're talking about a you know, well-respected leader within the banking industry who's been at it for a long time and knows her stuff. So it's not just some fly-by-night operation, which I think, as George points out, gives people reason to think about this stuff more actively. But to me, it just makes sense. It's following these mandates from major U.S. federal agencies, and you're seeing this play out in real time. Anyway, Jan, I'm going to toss it to you. I'm never going to put my hand up while you're talking again, because you always take the words right out of my mouth. So I'll just pick up same, where you same. left off. <laughs> I think that the, the little trust we built and the coming years to this contagion we're seeing has been lost and we're seeing that amplified in the banking industry, right? Zach, I think to your point, this contagion that's happening in crypto, the powers that be are looking at it and being like, we don't want this to go over to the banking industry and so we're going to stop it at all costs. When you read the story and you see that the designation that Custodia has requires it to maintain liquid assets that are equal to 100% of their holdings or more, it's actually crazy that this wasn't passed through, but I think, Zach, it speaks to all of your points that crypto is going to operate in its crypto ecosystem and any attempt for this industry to expand to the traditional financial ecosystem is going to be really tough, just given what's happening. We're talking about the hype right now, and I'm all about the hype. That's why like, when the metaverse was a thing, I was all on it. And now AI, this is the second AI story I brought to the hash and definitely not going to be the last. AI tokens are surging, and this Coindesk News analysis takes a look at why. So a lot of the recent surge has emerged after the public launch of ChatGPT and image generation software DALI. Unrelated tokens, artificial liquid intelligence, Fetch AI, and Singularity, AGIX, among others, have rose more than 200%. If we are to compare this to Bitcoin and Ether in the past month, those coins are up. 30%. Will, I'm going to pass this to you. Totally unrelated. We saw this with the metaverse tokens when Meta, I think, um, announced some quarterly earnings or some quarterly forecasts. What do, what do you make of this? What do we take away from this? Jen, you keep picking these stories. We're going to have to give you a, a nickname like Exit Liquidity height. or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you keep picking them. Uh, AI tokens. 
it's it's the new thing. So like everyone's talking about chat GBT, Dolly, all that stuff, right? So we're going to have some sort of token allocated with it. And this happens whenever you see some sort of celebrity tweet. You see this with like Vitalik when he tweeted different random tokens, dollar sign, XYZ token. It wasn't even real. Someone made it and then it pumped like 200% in a day. And that's just what happens with crypto tokenization, right? You have the ability to launch any smart contract you want. You have the ability to make any token you want. And so things just go up. And we see that on a longer term basis when it comes to larger trends in tech, like the metaverse or like AI. They might not have anything meaningful and they definitely don't have really anything in an analog with crypto or anything like meaningful connection there. But you can still spin up a token and you can say that it's connected to metaverse or you can say it's connected to AI and make a quick buck on it. And we saw this last bear market too, right? Where like a lot of these random tokens would start trading quite hotly compared to like bellwethers in the space like Bitcoin or Ethereum, just because that thing was trending in the news that day. And so that's how I see this picture. If you made some money on the AI tokens, congrats to you. Way to make some money. But I don't think this has anything meaningful. There's not a lot of tech behind it. But I'll throw it up to our tech editor, Christy, what you got on this one? Yes, I've seen more of those cycles over my time in crypto. I'm looking at this and thinking, wow, this feels like, this sounds like 2015 again. Oh, this sounds like 2017 again. Oh, this sounds like 2021 again. I mean, this is what happens. As soon as we were able to spin up tokens, thank you, Ethereum, connected with various blockchains and smart contracts, and oh, I'm just going to create an ICO token. This reminds me of ICO tokens. However, however, I think there may be a little bit of tech behind it as well. And we'll see what comes out of it. Uh, Every time, for example, yes, we had the ICO token boom, but there were a few outliers that did not die and that went on and and succeeded. There's always, I mean, even going back to the dot-com bubble, there are still companies that made it. Vast majority of them, they were sloughed off. but of the ones that survived, they actually had a use case. And I'm curious to see which of these may survive and have a use case, or at least lead to the next use case after the hype is finished. Zach, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, not to disparage these projects, but like the dynamic here is really dumb, right? This is like, okay, something's in the news. I'm going to spin up a Telegram group. We're going to pump this thing and we're going to find as many greater fools as we can possibly entice to the story that AI crypto is going to be the next big thing. That I think is like just this like casino dynamic, this weird sort of sentiment based, narrative driven not really even investing, but just straight like gambling on these things. That is just a bad look. When Binance spins up that organization to bolster crypto's image, can they like knock this nonsense off, make it so that these markets, I don't know, are more meaningful or like have some semblance of decency even? Or is it just that all markets are dumb and this is a universal phenomenon and we'll never escape it. We're just in crypto where it's sort of like on steroids at all times. I don't know, but... I think this stuff is is dumb. I saw some hands go up. Sorry for trolling you guys. Some of these companies have actually been around longer than the hype. You a know, long time. it's yeah. not like Singularity Net has come out of the woodwork in the last six months. Remove the project from the phenomenon that's being documented here. I'm not talking about the projects being dumb. I'm talking about these ridiculous pumps to these lower tier tokens. And the phenomenon yes. there, I think, is dumb and a bit icky to me. But hey, maybe just just markets being markets. I don't know. Will, what do you think? 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, there's ways that this kind of parallels tech stocks or parallels uh, penny stocks, right? And think that might be a nice corollary. We can look at this. And that's why I take a little issue with sometimes the framing of these things, right? Where it's always this token X is pumping against Bitcoin or pumping against Ethereum. At this point, like it's not really a fair comparison because Bitcoin, Ethereum, a few other tokens really have their foothold and they're not going to pump like 100% in one day. That would be pretty crazy. That's stuff that you saw like earlier in Bitcoin's history. We're well past that. A lot of these tokens, they'll pump 100, 200, 500% one day. That's because they're a very small market cap. There's not that many people using it. And a lot of times there's insiders trading here. So I think, Zach, I agree totally with what you're saying. I don't know if there's much we can do about it though. Those Telegram boys are going to be spamming. That's how it is out there on the streets. Telegram. I mean, boys. I am definitely the middle of the midwit meme right there. I am the guy <laughs> at the top of the curve just crying with all the words. And on the edges <laughs> of the curve are like, token go up. That's it. Anyway, last story today. Will, I think you have it. That's how it be. Okay, let's turn to some other alleged scammers. Let's talk about the Three Arrows Capital founders. Uh, they're having some issues uh, being in contact with the law. According to Subpoena, uh, the people who are probing their liquidation case. They are not getting any answers from Kyle Davies, one of the co-founders of Three Arrows Capital. As we know from a previous story on the hash, the subpoena was actually issued first on Twitter. And since then, Kyle Davies has been very active on Twitter, but he has not responded to the subpoena at all. The liquidators are taking issue with that pretty, pretty fairly. The fact that he's uh, running his new project, his new crypto project, but not answering uh, or taking responsibility for his last project doesn't put a good taste in many people's mouths. Zach, I actually saw you tagged in the bottom of the last tweet on this with a subpoena going on Twitter, a little inverse broad tag. So I got to throw the story up to you, get your take on it all. Okay. Yeah. I mean, sure. He's got GTX to focus on, all right, which is going to be the exchange that features tokenized crypto bankruptcy claims. And I am all for it because it is boom times for crypto bankruptcy claims. And there needs to be more efficient markets around some of those claims. So he's got bigger fish to fry, Will. And he's just sticking it out in Bali, doing his thing, because it's nice. That's all I got on this one. I don't know. Jen, what do you think? Is this going to be like the time when precedent is set for crypto companies and companies outside of the industry to be served subpoenas on social media? We have Davies being served a subpoena on Twitter. We had Uki Dow served a subpoena on Discord. I just think it's such a crazy time we're living in that this is actually happening. And if this is what makes this normal, I don't know what kind of future we're heading towards. Christy, I'll give it to you for last thoughts. I just want to know if GTX is going to try to join uh, Binance's consortium of, you know, hey, we're all cool now. How do you even? That is really like all I've got on this one is really he's busy building another business and people are going to go for this. I mean, at least with Terra, we didn't know that started something stupid before until after everything was kind of falling down. Now we know in advance. Are we going to be that dumb? What do you think, Zach? I'm for it. GTX. It's where it's at. Also, I don't have the filing in front of me, but this sort of looks like lawyers being lawyers, right? I think this is probably the opposing counsel kind of like getting out all the words. They're like shamelessly and blah, 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 blah. I mean, credit to them for framing it with sort of in, in spicy terms. I would venture that that is lawyer speak, not judge speak, but is interesting regardless to see the, the tenor of this note. Anyway, that's all we got for the show today. We have to commemorate a special occasion. Coindesk TV, which you're watching right now, it's our birthday. We just turned two. You can walk it's at one birthday. and you can talk at two. So now we're going to do it really well. And we're asking you to remember, what was your first episode that you viewed the hash? 
because I think three of us have been here from day one, and it has been quite mm-hmm. the journey. You guys have any thoughts, Will, Jen? I can mm. say my favorite episode. Do it. Say your favorite oh. episode. <laughs> okay. Well, I have to go so fast. It was when we could see Will's landlord bear crawling in the background. That was my favorite episode. If you haven't seen it, please go and find it. It was a lovely little Easter egg. July 2021. Go back. Wow. Deep cut. Deep cut. Good <laughs> shout out. Good reference. Anyway, thanks for bearing with us for all these two years. It's been fun. There's a lot of stuff that happens in crypto in two years. And it's been an honor to be here with you through thick and thin. Anyway, that's it for us today. I'm Zach Seward. Christy Harkin is here. Jen Sanasi is there. And lastly, we got Will Foxley. We're the hash. We will be back on Coindesk TV tomorrow. We hope that you'll join us. All right. See you. See you then. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Spring, nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about, in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive, and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details.